0: So location is everything when it comes to an espresso stand, right? Not necessarily. And in today's episode, we'll discuss some specific strategy. Okay. Location is everything when it comes to an espresso stand, right? Not necessarily. And in today's episode, we'll discuss some specific strategy ideas for creating a loyal customer base for a local espresso stand. All this and more on The Rightly Show. Hello and welcome to the program, my name is Thomas McGee and this is The Rightly Show. So the first couple of episodes of this new season, uh, surprisingly, have to do with what we would call brick-and-mortar stores. So that's kind of interesting, particularly because the majority of the work that I undertake is on the web, right? So a lot of the businesses I work with are entrepreneurs or leaders or coaches or consultants or they do the majority of their work on the web in some respect or another, However, one of the things that I've seen is that a lot of the challenges that brick and mortar stores tend to face can actually shine light on those of us who run more of a digital medium or who run some sort of a digital company because they the problems that they face because they're so dynamic and complex in their range uh, can kind of show us to look a little bit deeper for ways that we are solving individual problems with our business. So we're going to be talking about today is an espresso stand. So we're just going to call this Sally's Espresso. So similar to the previous episode, it's not exactly the most creative name in the world, but we're not really uh, focusing too much on the name in this particular episode, but some of the challenges that an espresso stand faces. Okay, so a little while back before a lot of the, uh, news was hitting in regards to uh, COVID-19, uh, before all of that, I was working pretty regularly remotely out at a local coffee shop. And so what I heard as I was sitting, I couldn't help it. I wasn't trying to eavesdrop, but what, what happened was I was working at a table right next to another table that had two, two representatives from a local advertising company, and then a individual who ran her own espresso stand. And so it was really fascinating because I dive into, as you well know, so much marketing and branding and brand building techniques and strategies and tactics that uh, it was hard not to overhear the conversation, particularly because of the subject matter. So anyways, they were talking about a lot of different ways that they would be able to help. And so uh, one of the things that they recommended is a free publication that they put out. And what they were offering, essentially, they were selling spots in this particular free publication, and they said, we've got a readership or a reach of, I think it was like 40,000, and we'll put you on a half-page ad, and you can put your phone number and stuff inside of it. And so she was weighing whether or not to actually pursue this. And so one of the things that was really interesting about this, is, as I'm listening to it, is what they were essentially selling her was six months inside this Free, essentially what you would consider is kind of like an ad book, right? So it's totally free. It sits at like grocery stores or bus stops or that sort of thing. And then every month they would like feature someone, a a business owner on the cover. But again, it's a book that's filled. Essentially, it is a book of ads, right? So if you're picking this up, it's because you're probably going to be coupon cutting or you're just not familiar with what is in the area or that sort of thing. So I think they were going to sell her and I don't remember the exact dollar figure, but I think it was almost $1,000 and it was for like six months uh, regular place, placing inside of this free publication. And so I'm sitting there as I'm listening to this and the first thought that came to mind was, why don't you just just take that $1,000 that you're going to spend and just run targeted Facebook ads to people in this area? Like you're going to get way bigger results. So what I wanted to do, was expound upon that idea. If I were in her shoes, and I was looking for a way to expand that business, what would I do? So uh, some of the things that she was looking to, again, I wasn't trying to overhear this entire conversation, but they were right there. So I thought it would be a good kind of springboard for an episode. But what she was looking for was how do I get new customers, those who are both Local, so how do I spread the word, and people who are visiting? If they happen to be driving by or they're in the area, how do I get them to stop at my espresso stand? Uh, The other issue that she was facing and needed to be solved was customer loyalty. Once I get somebody to come to my espresso stand, what steps do I take to ensure that they come back? And in addition to that, how do I ensure that they are recommending my stand to other people in the area? And then the last issue and thing this is this kind of goes in uh, beyond advertising, so this doesn't really go into the advertising realm. But it's an issue that espresso stands have to keep in mind, and that is overhead costs. So the cop of costs of cups, of syrups, sauces, mixes, that sort of thing. And then in addition, in addition to that, paying an employee to. Uh, to actually work at the stand and to do so at a quality that is going to be required for that espresso stand to be successful. So we're going to talk about in this episode, all those things and how we can actually start to put together kind of a brand and marketing strategy to take this fictional uh, espresso stand to the next level. But before we do that, I wanted to take a quick moment to mention to you a brand new and free tool that I've created just for you. And it is a tool called Radarist. So in the past, one of the things that I have found very difficult is keeping all my tasks uh, and all my big projects and goals in order. So I use Basecamp, I use Asana, I use things by cultured code, all in different scenarios. With my clients, I use Basecamp. With one individual client uh, whose team uses uh, this, I use Asana. And then with some of my household or home or more personal tasks, I use things. And sometimes I'll even use reminders on the iPhone for a shopping list. So I've got four or five different places that I'm keeping tasks. Well, the problem with that is that if you've got a whole bunch of things spread over a ton of different apps, what you're always going to end up running into is losing sight of the forest for the trees, so to speak. Or in other words, Losing sight of big projects and goals, right? It's really easy if you've got a list a mile long or five or six different lists, it's really easy to lose sight of a big project you're trying to work on or a big goal you're trying to get uh, completed by the end of the quarter. Let's say you want to grow to your email list to a thousand subscribers. What steps do you have to do to, in order to get that? Well, Radarist is not a to do list, instead, it's a project and goal list. So you can always keep track of the latest. Uh, biggest projects and goals so they're always in front of you. You can drag and drop to ensure that you're always keeping them in priority. If you use something like the Full Focus Planner, which I do, you can actually use this as a companion tool to help you plan your daily big three. So Radarist is just a tool that I didn't see out there on the web. Everybody made to-do lists. I wanted what I like to call a radar list, keeping things on my radar, which are big and need to take consistent small actions to move forward. So I made Radarist and you can get a free account. Again, it's 100% free. All it costs you uh, is your email address and you have a free account to Radarist. So just go ahead and head on over to radar.ist. Again, that's radar.ist, Radarist, to create your free account. So I'm actually a fan of espresso stands. I don't know if you're a coffee drinker. I don't know if you have them in your area. Uh, Where I used to be out in Washington State, they were everywhere. You could find them like every other block there would be a new uh, espresso stand. And they're pretty small. It's like most of them there's just enough room to have a few shelves and then like room to walk around a little bit. right? And then what you'd have is two windows on either side. And then it's sometimes one or even, you know, or two different baristas who would take the order, then they'd make it and they hand it out the window. And these, these places could be pretty busy, and particularly in the morning. So I always kind of liked them. There were several in my area uh, that I used to like to go to. And it depends on where you are in the country, depending on how many you have. I know uh, you've got obviously Starbucks or, you know, something that's a little bit closer, but on a more corporate level. Um, again, it would be the Starbucks, We got Dutch Brothers, which would be oh, a little bit closer to an espresso stand and then say a Starbucks, most of those have drive throughs, but they also have a dining area, that sort of thing. But they're really cool little businesses. And a lot of times, somebody will just uh, invest in getting one of the little stands built and stocking it and just start their own little business, right? they're really cool and I wish they had more of them kind of across the country and they weren't so specific to like the Seattle area. But what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be talking about, okay, if I knew somebody, if you uh, or I were going to be starting an espresso stand, they called me, we're working on a new project. What are some of the things that I would recommend? And again, just so you know, I'm just offering, uh, this is a fictional uh, type of business. If I were actually going to be sitting down with somebody, I'd I'd get to know their customer base specifically. But this is kind of a fun exercise to go through and to explore some of the ideas that could make this a really powerful brand, which again, is the goal here, not just trying to make a business, or not just trying to be the cheapest or even get the most customers. We're trying to create an actual brand. So that's what we're going to be exploring in today's episode. Okay. So In my personal experience with espresso stands, one of the most common things that people tend to do is like a punch card. So what it is, is once you show up, they say, would you like to be a part of our punch card program or our rewards program? And then if you come regularly, what happens is they punch the little card every time that you show up and you get a drink. And then what happens is I think if you get seven or 10 or whatever the number is, they give you a free one, which is okay. It's a nice way to be able to encourage people to uh, to come back and to continue to shop with you and that sort of thing and to continue, continue to get their coffee with you every morning. But let's take that a little bit further. Let's go ahead and walk through. If I, once again, if I were going to be starting an espresso stand, what would I do for this customer experience? In the past, as you well know, I'm always talking about the importance of an email list. So the first thing that I'm going to ask, my baristas are going to ask as they are taking the order is, can I get your email address to start the order? And so they might ask, why do you need my email address? Well, I can create you a free account so that we can ensure that uh, we digitally keep track of how many drinks that you have purchased so that on the 7th, you get a free one. Um, And then we could say, Also, we're going to email uh, a receipt to you. They don't have to worry about the paper, uh, you know, that sort of thing. They don't have to worry about signatures or anything like that. Uh, Then what I would do, oh, and also what we would do, here's what I would do in regards to the email receipt, is that in the email that gets sent to them, I would leave a button that says tip your barista online, they could click that button and then that barista would be tipped based upon whatever that person decided to give. And then of course, what we would do from a business perspective is that we would ensure that that money that gets tipped to that bari- that particular barista, whether it's Sally, whether it's Steve, whether it's Susan, whoever it is, uh, that person will receive 100% of that tip. So again, we wanna make sure that it's fair, that it's the actual person who's doing the work is actually receiving the tip and it's not you know, being split or anything like that. Again, as a business, you could decide how you'd wanna do that, but the point is to make it easy for the person who is actually making the purchase. Big button, tip your barista, there you go. Or you could also leave a spot in there for people to click and receive, send feedback, if for whatever reason they weren't happy with their purchase, so that you can make sure that you rectify that. But the point, you're collecting an email address, not just for the point of storing their email address, but in a way to make life easier for them. Then, and this is going to be a little bit different, this would be, uh, this particular idea would have to be handled with great care, but you could save the customer's card on file. So of course, they'd have to hand you a credit card to pay, or if they pay with cash, obviously that's different. But What you could do is you could actually save that and you can do that via something like Stripe or Square. Square is a POS or a uh, point of sale system that a lot of uh, espresso stands or restaurants use and require a passphrase, kind of like a password, but it would just be something that's easy to say and remember that you could give to them in order to give clearance to charge that card. Right, so there we go. We're building an email list while at the same time making it super easy for that customer to be able to purchase with us in the future. One of the things I've talked about in the past when it comes to a buying experience, the less uh, obstacles, the less challenges, the less difficulties that you can put before somebody in order for them to make a purchase, the more likely and more frequently they are to make that purchase. Think Amazon. One click, right? They have an actual trademarked name, one click. That's not by accident. And there's a reason why people continue to shop with them is because they make it so simple. In fact, people oftentimes without even knowing are willing to pay more for an Amazon product or a product available on Amazon simply because of how easy they make it to buy. Okay, so that would be how we would handle uh, customer cards and that sort of thing. What we'd want as well is we want to want to offer uh, a free drink after seven purchases. Now, some now in the past, I've been kind of against giving away things for free or discounting. I definitely don't like discounts, but in this case, it actually would work. Now, there here's some alternatives if you don't want to give away a free drink. I think most times when people are showing up at an espresso stand, they don't want anything extra, right? They don't want anything else. So if you toss in like a free bagel or something, like most people probably wouldn't eat it unless they were... Intentional about getting that bagel with their drink, right? So free drink makes sense. What you could do as an alternative is you could make like a custom engraved tumbler that you could also sell, but it could be beautiful and have your brand identity or logo on there uh, or like a catchy or funny phrase or something like that. And what you would do is you would give that as a gift uh, for the first seven. And then maybe let's say after like the first 20, uh, then they get a t-shirt, right? And that t-shirt would say something funny that, that, uh, you know, is similar to your brand identity and that sort of thing. And then you could say like, uh, I don't know, a beanie or something like that. And so you could kind of handle it in stages. Okay, and since we're going to be staying on the topic of an email address, what you would do is rather than, and you could do both, but let's say that you show up to the espresso stand and you say, oh, by the way, you have a free drink, or here's your free Tumblr, congratulations, you know, that sort of thing. You could also send them an email and say, hey, congratulations, you just got a free tumbler," or your next drink is on us, right? You send them that email, uh, maybe a day or two days after they make that seventh purchase. Why? To ensure customer retention, to ensure that they're going to come back again. So it's not only uh, is it uh, giving that free drink so that it encourages them to come back, but you're helping to train the customer to come back, that sort of thing. And then here's a big don't, right? So here's something that I would say, do not do in the situation to which so many businesses would be compelled or would feel led to do, which is don't spam people with specials or sales. You might say, well, isn't that kind of what you're doing? No, what you're doing is you're notifying someone of something that they have for free. And the majority of people are not gonna be upset with that, particularly if they're already purchasing from you regularly. All you're doing is notifying them that the next one's on us so that when they pull up, they know uh, that they're going to have that next one for free or they've got a tumbler waiting for them or whatever it is. So however uh, you would want to actually structure that. Personally, I think that for like the first seven, I would give a Tumblr. And then after that, I would probably just every successive uh, seven, I would probably give a free drink or something or let them pick, that sort of thing. But the big point is not to spam people. I would never say on a Friday afternoon, send out an email that says sale, you know, Uh, buy one, get one free, get a free donut with today's drink. And that's where most people would go. Why? Why not? Because it sounds like a sale. It sounds like a pitch, right? It doesn't sound like Uh, you are trying to benefit, it sounds like you've got you happen to have purchased too many muffins, and you're trying to get rid of them, right? Always do this from a customer perspective. So I would never spam people with specials, never spam people with sales, I would use that email list, yes, to encourage people to come back, but to do so in such a way as to uh, actually have it at a benefit to them making life easier for them. Okay, so the next thing we need to tackle then, since that kind of helps us start to incorporate some sort of customer loyalty, and these will kind of tie together, but we need some sort of customer referral program, right? The biggest way outside of the location of the espresso stand that we're going to grow the thing is by people telling other people about it, right? This is what made Facebook famous. This is what makes any business popular is word of mouth. Me, myself, as a business, I would say probably 80% of my business, maybe more, is purely referral-based, meaning people just ask, do you know a good place to get a custom WordPress website built, and they refer me. So that is not uncommon, and in particular, with businesses that we would consider brick and mortal, brick and Border. So anyway, so okay, so what we would do here, uh, what are we going to do in terms of a customer referral program? Well, here's what I would do. Every single time somebody signs up as a new customer, because remember, we're going to ask for their email address, we're going to ask for them to create a free account with us. And again, that free account is optional. They don't have to do that. They can hand you, you know, the $5 bill, get their change and drink and never show up again. That's okay. That's totally fine. What we want here is to create a customer base, a loyal customer base who not only continues to shop with us, but refers others. So this is gonna be the person that provides their email address and they're gonna receive an email, let's say maybe seven days after they create their free account and it's going to have on it nothing except for, we'll have some information obviously pertaining to it, but a place where they can log in to their personal account And again, this will be very easy to do within, you know, on a smartphone or whatever they have internet access with, and they will receive a personalized referral link, right? You've probably seen these before, and you're going to encourage them to share this on Facebook and Twitter and to text it and email it to all their friends. And as you might see where I'm going with this, every single time a friend comes in and makes a purchase Uh, With this particular link uh, They are going to receive a free drink. Okay, so you might be wondering okay So how is it that I'm going to know based upon a link that somebody is going to sign up? Well, the way that you would do this is that you would run uh, you would create a squeeze page that this link goes to Why would you do that? you would create a squeeze page That would encourage someone to create a free account uh, for this espresso stand. You might be wondering why on earth would I want to create an account for an espresso stand that I've never been to? What you're going to do, and this is what I would do at least, is that I would offer either maybe the first or maybe the second drink for free. Perhaps if you're really bold, you offer one free drink. And so what that does is that you're, yes, it's going to cost you. So most business owners would look at that and like, well, that's really expensive, right? Uh, To be giving away a free drink. What if I get like 100 people and I'm charging $4 for my drink? I just spent $400. Sure. But think back to the other example I gave you, right? I had an individual who is getting ready to spend $1,000 on print ads that was no way for them to be tracked, you would never know how well they're doing. But for $400, uh, you're going to be getting a whole bunch of people signing up onto a list that you can follow up with later. And not only who know about it, but are encouraged to share it with their friends. So again, let's kind of go through this step by step, we're going to create a squeeze page, which is just a simple page, where people provide their email address, uh, they sign in to create a free account which is going to track all their future sales and how often they get free drinks, then once they create their free account, it's going to encourage them to share their own referral link on and on and on you go. So again, a lot of digital lifting here. So a lot of this in the back end. But it would be a great way to take your little espresso stand viral, particularly in a really tightly knit community. If you open up in a community and you're sharing this on a Facebook page, uh, or somebody's sharing this on their Facebook account, most, I won't say most, but many times, you're gonna be part of a group or a community even on Facebook that is very local. At that point in time, you're spending very little to get a lot of people to know about your espresso stand while at the same time collecting their email addresses in the process. So you could, over the course of maybe a month of virality with this campaign, you could actually create an endless, I don't say endless, but a very significant regular customer base without ever having run a single ad. Okay, so once we've kind of extended that, we've gone through and we've created this network of people who are sharing the free page, who are coming through and getting their free drink, who are creating their accounts, who are starting to become regular customers, then we're going to go back to my previous idea. They all kind of tethered together. Remember, we were going to create that squeeze or landing page where people go to create their free account, right? So what I would do is I would run Facebook ads that were targeting people in the community who I knew loved coffee and uh, encouraging them to create a free account. And I would run an ad that would say something like, hey, can I give you a free latte, Most people are probably, if they like coffee, they make, wait, what? Free latte. They're going to click on that, right? They're going to create their account and they're going to say, oh, well, if I share this like seven times, I could get like seven free lattes. So I'm going to share this thing, right? So that's the idea. You are running ads. And at that point, you're starting to see a direct return from them. It's Once you've gotten used to having customers coming through, creating accounts, sharing their referral link, and you're ready to scale Then we go into Facebook and we start putting aside a budget to uh, get even more people uh, going through and starting to sign up for new free accounts. Okay, so we've talked a lot about kind of the customer loyalty, as well as the customer referral, how we're going to go through that process. But now let's talk a little bit about the brand, right? Because what I've done is a lot of marketing tactics, which are okay. And they might kind of get people to remember you, but it's not the core of what's going to get people to remember you. First of all, you have to have some very good coffee, right? And not only that, But this is really important, and I know this particularly because I I come from an area that is rich with coffee, right? There is coffee everywhere. And that is you need to find a supplier that roasts the coffee in a specific way, right? And it needs to have a story behind it. You need to be able to have your baristas as they're sitting there making a chit chat with the person sitting there waiting for their drink to be able to tell them about the story of where it's roasted. Maybe you know, it's in Hawaii, it's Hawaii, and it's a Kona blend or whatever it is, you want to make sure that it has a story behind it and that you don't tell them what the roaster is and that you have to make sure it's very good coffee. But you don't just get any run of the mill coffee, it needs to have a story behind it. That's what makes it a brand. That's what makes it specific and unique. You do not just want to run down to Costco and bulk buy whatever type of coffee is there. People who are connoisseurs for coffee in particular, and this might be every one in 10 customers, but those are going to be the ones who are the most vocal. Say, you know what? This little espresso standout here has the most amazing Kona blend. Uh, You should try it. So that's what you want. You want to have a story behind it because the more story there is behind that little latte, the more likely somebody is going to want to talk about it. So be very specific. That's what I would do. I'd be very specific with the type of coffee that I get, where it's sourced, uh, even down to the very field that it's being harvested from. That's really important. Okay, from there, what I would do, and if you know, if you've listened to any of my episodes in the past or watched any of my videos over at Rightly TV, you're not going to be shocked by this at all. But here's what I would do. I would find out the median of what most espresso stands were charging, and I would charge more. I would charge probably a dollar or two more. And I would put an emphasis on the quality of the coffee itself. Now, some people might come along and say, Well, hold on a second, aren't you going to be giving these away for free? Yes, but. I want to ensure that what people are buying from me is a quality, a higher quality product. And that's where the story comes in really important, right? And that's why you train your baristas to aim for perfection when they are actually you know, producing the drink or the latte art, even though it's gonna be in a to-go cup. You just wanna make sure that everything about it is a higher quality. Because remember, what you're selling to them is not a, uh, you know, a paper cup with a plastic lid with, you know, coffee and milk. You're selling them an experience. You're selling them a brand and good brands cost more and good brands are worth paying more for. So that's what we're trying to establish here that yes, this is an espresso stand. Yes, it's a drive through, but we're doing this in a higher level of quality than other places. And that's why we're going to charge it just a little bit more. You're not really going to say that you're not gonna make a big point of it, the prices are still going to be on the boards. But doing a higher level of work requires costing more you don't want. The whole goal here is that we don't want people coming to our espresso stand, who are looking for the cheapest coffee. If they want that they can go to the gas station, they can go somewhere else, right? But if somebody wants the ease of being able to log in and see their rewards, if they want to be able to receive a free coffee, however often if they want that warm, friendly smile that only your baristas give, uh, and they want that top notch, you know, medium roast from Honduras or whatever it is, they can only get that with you, at which point you can and should charge a little bit more. Okay. Okay. The other thing I would do, and this is less important, but it still will be to some degree important when it comes to tying everything together in the brand, is ensuring the logo, the signs, the cups, the building indicate that this is a higher-end espresso establishment. I wouldn't have, like, some sort of... I probably wouldn't do, like, a mascot or anything like that or obviously use, like, comic sans for the typeface. No, I would have it designed to look like a... Uh, a premium brand. I would make this look like exactly what it is, and I would be very uh, cognizant of how this looks on the outside, even to the way the building is painted. It'll be a small building, but I want it to be architecturally unique. This should look more like an Apple store, uh, not like, you know, some sort of uh, restaurant per se, right? This needs to look very modern, very hip, and it needs to be memorable. Then what I would do is I would also create uh, some sort of digital menu. And this is really important, this is all part of the customer experience. Not only would the menu serve to show exactly what is available to order, the different types of drinks, but I would have photographs right next to each of the drinks of exactly what it looks like. So if people, I just happen to know a little bit more about coffee, so people can start to get the idea of what's the difference between a cappuccino and a latte? What's the difference between an Americano? You know, how big are they? Why are they that big? That sort of thing. Um, So you want that nice big digital menu. But here's also what I would do. I would go beyond just showing the pictures. And I would actually, and actually what's funny is McDonald's has actually started to do this. But I would show B-roll footage of espresso shots being poured, of beans being ground, of beans being roasted, to kind of add to the feeling that people are gonna get that I'm in the process of purchasing a high quality product. I'm not just, this isn't McDonald's, this is a, while I am going through a drive-through, this is a much higher quality uh, product that I'm in the, the process of purchasing. Okay, so to kind of recap, to kind of wrap up a lot of the ideas that we've tossed out today, here's what's really interesting. And I can, I can think of just because I've had a lot of, you know, kind of discussions and one-on-one conversations with business owners, particularly those who are starting to venture into the advertising realm. So that's why when I mentioned that a person who owned her own espresso stand and was considering, you know, paying upwards of $1,000 for ads I know that if you were to go through and recommend everything I just recommended there, here's what's interesting. Most people would respond with, yeah, but wow, that all sounds so expensive. And at first glance it does, but here's what's interesting. Cheaper than running print and TV ads, uh, you could do everything that we just talked about. Now there'd be a lot of legwork involved, it'd take a lot of creativity, uh, but it is totally possible. And like I mentioned earlier, if you're going to run a print ad, if you're going to run a TV ad, the problem with that type of advertising is that it's not its not measurable. You cannot know for certain, unless maybe you do a coupon, but even that can be skewed. But you can't really know how many people uh, actually came in as a result of a print ad. However, if you have a squeeze page and you've got the Facebook tracking pixel built into that squeeze page you're gonna be able to know exactly how many people hit that page, how many people register for a free account, and then how many people actually pay for something. Perfect, you can have exact measurements and where that person came from and everything else. Not only that, if you have your own system similar to what I was talking about, you'd even be able to track something like buying habits, how often that person comes in based upon how many rewards they have, and so on and so forth. Plus, not to mention the fact that you can look at the upside of the integrated virality in the sense that if you've got this referral program, yes, you'll be paying to give away free drinks at some point for a short period of time. However, you're expanding the amount of people who know about you and in turn increasing sales because that person, not only will they be coming back regularly with the incentive of getting a free drink, the people they know will be coming back regularly with the incentive of getting a free drink. So at the end of the day, everybody wins, and it's a way to quickly uh, build awareness around a business that otherwise would have to rely upon just so happening to see you in a print magazine that virtually nobody reads anymore. And the last thing is that we would want to make sure that this is a brand that is different, that it is distinct, and it is in, in every way premium when compared to everyone else. Again, that's why I come back to that story. I want people to be standing at the office. Everybody else has got their Starbucks and this person's got this uh, this very odd looking cup that stands out from all the other ones. And they're saying, yes, these were finally roasted within a field in, in Honduras. And it's this particular, you start telling the story. And at that point in time, you've caught their attention and people are starting to advertise for you. So again, that's the big difference between a brand and a business. We want to make sure that, you know, all the businesses out there are businesses, but not every business has a brand. So that's it. That's what I got for you today. Hopefully that sparked some thoughts and some creativity. As always, if you got a question for the program, or if you just want me to explore your business, tell me a little bit about what you do, kind of what you're, main challenges are with the business that you're currently running or you want to run you can do that by heading over to rightly.show slash question and we also have a phone number that you're welcome to call into and record a question there as well if that's easier for you and that's 844 rightly so as always if you're finding the rightly show useful Head on over to Apple Podcasts. You can find that if you go to rightly.show slash Apple. Leave us a review. We always do appreciate it. So until next time, I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.